0: So, you want some ice cream? Cup or cone? Vanilla, chocolate, strawberry, minty cream, mocha? Sprinkles, nuts, hot fudge sauce? Oh, forget it. Instead, you opt for the mall. Shopping always helps you clear your brain. But now, do you like that lime green halter top dress? Or that bright blue turtleneck? Or both? Of course, there are bigger issues you're wrestling with right now. The stock market, the economy, the safest place for your money? too many options, all of them equally uncertain. You can always get more money, but time, not so much. You've got to guard it carefully. Does everything have to be so complicated? Nope. Some choices are so simple. All you need to do is say yes.
1: Hey, good evening. Wow, this is a beautiful afternoon. I've had a wonderful day. I've done two weddings, one at 2.30 and 4. And I um, Part of that's being in a young congregation like New Spring. I've got weddings as far as the eye can see. But these are just wonderful, wonderful days. Hey, um, I cannot believe, can you believe, by the way, neither one of the weddings was in here, but I thought this would be a heck of a series to have a wedding in. (laughs) Because I could say, because guys are kind of slow anyway, you know, grooms, and they're kind of like standing here like this, and, and you know, you have to say it real short bursts so they don't forget it. So uh, will, you, will you take this woman to be your wife? Hey, let's do this. Yeah, that's great. Uh, but it's the last weekend of our series. I can't believe it. By the way, I'm starting a brand new series on Easter that is the biggest series I've ever done in my, I'm telling you it is, trust me on this. I've been working on this for almost a year, and uh, I don't know if it if it just reaches anybody else because you may hear what I'm going to say and you can say, "Well, that's not important to me." But I'm just really big on impact. I want to make sure that when I leave this planet, that my life made a difference and it was worth living. And so, making an impact and and having an influence and and making a difference is just huge to me. And the series is called "You Times Two, and it's built on one of Jesus' teachings about how that you can double your impact. And I'm looking at, at even creating a daily, sort of a, a daily uh, sideline, you know, devotional thing that goes along with it, and we'll be with that throughout the entire series. Biggest thing, I, I'm sitting on dynamite, as I love to tell the staff, this is a marvelous, marvelous series. Starts Easter. Don't forget we have five services on Easter. We'll actually have two Saturday night services that weekend. So all that's coming up, and that's several weeks away, but I couldn't wait to tell you. One of my favorite stories. And if you've been at New Spring a long time, I'm sure you've heard me tell it before. If you stay, you'll hear me tell it again, okay? It's just a great story that I love. It's a story about, unfortunately, a, a 10-year-old kid who was in an automobile accident, and the automobile accident caused him to lose his left arm. And so he, he, he was fortunately in a well-to-do family, and his parents were just really, really driven to make sure that he didn't not get to experience things that kids got to experience who had both arms. And so they asked him, you know, at different times, what would you like to do? But one time he told them he wanted to get into martial arts, and it kind of pushed his parents back a little bit because they thought that maybe that was asking a little bit too much for a boy who didn't have a left arm. But he just wouldn't be dissuaded. He told them he wanted to study jujitsu, and they couldn't talk about it anyway, they finally found him the best teacher they could find, absolute master, the best teacher for miles in the entire region who would teach their son jiu-jitsu. So the boy enrolled, he signed up, got to his first, got to his first session, and the, and the master began working on one move. And the boy thought, this is great, Learn the move. Came back the next week, same move. Months later, they were still working on that one move. And finally, after a long time of just working on this one move, every time he had the session, the kid asked his master, he said, why? When are we going to move on to something else? And the old teacher said, we're going to, st- we're going to keep working on this move. It's the only thing you'll ever need. Trust me. So the f- time came for the boy to go to his first tournament. He got into a match, saw his opening, performed his move, won the match. Got in the second match, took a little longer. The boy, the boy was fighting, he was a little tougher, but he saw his opening performed his move, won the match. All the way down to like the semis and the final, up to the finals, it had happened just like this in every match. I mean, there was always a little opening. This kid had like so studied this move, he, he performed his move and won. And finally he got into the finals and he was, he was matched against a heavier kid, a more experienced kid, and it looked like he was going to lose throughout the entire match because this older kid was, was taking advantage of the fact that the boy he was fighting didn't have a left arm. And just just when it seemed like it was was just over, you know, the kid was overmatched and wasn't going to win, the bigger, stronger kid kind of lost his concentration for a second. The boy saw his opportunity, did his move, won the tournament. In the car, riding home, he was sitting in the front seat with his teacher, and he said, Since I, would you tell me, please, how I won this tournament? And the old teacher said, Son, first of all, you learned one of the most difficult moves in jiu-jitsu. Very few people learn the move that you learn. And secondly, the only known defense for that movement is for your opponent to grab your left arm. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there are all kinds of power out there, and we need power. All of us are looking for juice. There is physical power. There is intellectual power. There's the power that comes from knowing the right people, making the right connections. But the longer I live, the more I see the importance of the kind of power the boy in our story had, and that is, are you ready for this, staying power. Now, when I use the word staying power, that expression normally means the power to stay. But I want to take it a step further because when I, and I love that expression staying power, and I remind myself of it all the time. When I talk about staying power, I'm not just talking about the power to stay, but I'm talking about the power, listen please, that staying produces. I was listening to one of the, who I consider to be one of the leading motivational speakers of the 20th century. When I heard him give a talk, he was into his 80s. And even still, he was just bursting with enthusiasm. And he made the comment that he and his wife had been married for over 60 years, and the audience applauded, and he reacted to that applause. And he said, you know, people all, all the time, are, whenever I make that comment that I've been married for over 60 years, people will always come up to me after my talk and say, it's wonderful that you stayed together all those years. You must have loved each other to stay together that long. And he said this, and it really stuck with me. He said we did not stay together because we loved each other. He said we love each other because we stayed together. Staying power. I speak tonight and you listen tonight in a culture of Americans who will do anything as long as it's comfortable and easy, but let it get hard. And I don't mean us personally, but we live in a people, among a people that will check out at first blush if things get easy. Now, let me just say something to you, and I know I'm going to repeat this throughout tonight's talk, because this, I was just talking to Lance, we, we were in the office praying together and talking before I came out here, and I said, I know I'm going to repeat this, but there's just this one point that God has just really pressed hard upon me, and it's this point, point. in anything in life that's worthwhile, there will be a moment where you'll want to give up. If it's not big enough to make you want to give up at some moment, it's not big enough. There will be a moment when all, later on, all of the events break your way, and you will think that that is the moment that turned the tide. But the moment where all the events break your way is not what turns the tide. It is that. It's at that moment when you want to quit and you want to give up and nothing seems to change, but you decide that for whatever reason, you're going to stay. That's where great battles are won. I'm talking to some of you tonight and you still may not get it. You're saying, Mark, if I had married a different person, I would have a great marriage. Mark, if I had had different kids than the ones that I had. If when nobody was looking, I'd switch the kids at the hospital. Everybody deals with that. You say, Mark, those people have a great marriage. I, I assure you, if you could go home with them, if they do have a great marriage, there is probably some moment where they would feel like checking out. You are like the woman who said, who'd been married 50 years, Never once have I ever thought about divorce. Murder, yes, not divorce. (laughs) Tonight, I want to give you the seven rules of staying power. This is huge. I'll go through these quickly. They'll be on my blog by tomorrow evening. So if I go through them too quickly and you miss one or whatever, then we'll... We'll have them up on the blog. But before I do, could I just read a verse of Scripture too? Actually, a little section of Scripture I love very much because here's what God has to say. And you understand, of course, that when I talk about staying power, I'm not just talking about finding something that you like and bloom where you're planted and all that kind of thing. I'm talking about following God, I'm talking about finding your destiny as a God follower. And staying in, and listen to what God says in Galatians six verse seven. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. Now, I know sometimes I'm a little bit blunt, but I always say you can't flip God off and win. And the reason why I just state it so bluntly is this: that's what this verse says. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Now you shouldn't get a tattoo, probably, but if you were going to get a tattoo, that would be really good to have that tattooed on you someplace, someplace you can see. You will always harvest what you plant. Somebody said, you mean like karma? I said, no, karma's like this. There's no such thing as karma anyway, but this is true. God just says he will see to it. You will always harvest what you plant. Well, in an agrarian society, culture like we have here in Kansas, we understand that. You plant wheat, you get wheat. You know, you don't go out and plant a whole field of wheat and get okra from it. You always harvest what you plant. Those who live, verse 8, only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. Now, let me just say, let me stop for a moment and say what that means. That means if you're always going downhill, you know, if you think some other gal's hot and you start chasing her and your hope is to get her in bed with you, I mean, you know, that's downhill. You, that's, not, that's not difficult to do. You don't have to say no to any, any lust that way. You know, if, if you're always trying to find some way to cut a corner, take something that doesn't belong to you, that's going downhill. And the Bible is saying this, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So, I love this. This is where I want to, we really want you to focus in tightly here. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. You will get tempted to quit anything good, whether it's a marriage, whether it's raising kids, whether it's own you, your job, and as a Jesus follower. You know, I'm talking to some of you. New Spring has just grown so fast, and many of you have just found Jesus in the last few weeks. And you've written me about it, and I get pumped, and I'm doing cartwheels at home when I read your emails about how that you've liked. And I'm serious. I'm not joking, man. I'm serious. Tear up all the furniture that way. Um, you write me about how that you just, you know, cross the line to accept Jesus, and right now it's so wonderful, and you're saying, Mark, it just, I can't wait to get to church. At some point, listen to me, please. I'm not a prophet, but at some point, it's going to get difficult. All those things that are so easy right now. You say, I just want to read my Bible all the time. That'll get hard sometime. Mark, I just want to pray. I just want to talk to God all the time. Marvelous. There's going to be a day when you won't feel like talking to God. You say, Mark, I cannot wait to get to New Spring. Man, I line up outside the door and I get my coffee and I can't wait for the door to open. Yeah, and I pray this always that way, but chances are there will be a day when it's not easy to get up and get out of bed and come to even New Spring. That's why the Bible says, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we, what? Say it with me. If we don't give up staying power, saying yes to perseverance, staying power. Okay, you ready for all seven of these rules of staying power? Here's the first one. I think I've already given it to you. Any question in life truly worthwhile will present you with a quit now moment. Anything in life that's worthwhile, there is going to be a quit now moment. I want to give up. I want to quit. I want to leave. And the reason why I make this point is the culture that you and I live in teaches us to worship, comfort. In other words, I'll dumb down the standards so I don't challenge myself. I'll quit if it starts getting difficult. If I'm not having fun anymore, then it's all over. And remember, this is an old song, if it don't come easy, better let it go. Well, that's so backward. Everything in life is gonna have a quit now moment. But guys, please listen to me. I'm just pleading, pleading with you to listen here. There is a word for a life lived without risk. There is a l- word that you can use for a life that's lived in ease and comfort. There is a word for a life that is lived when it's only easy. And that word is wasted. 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 You say, Mark, I only do it if it's easy. I don't do it if it's difficult. Then someday, and I'm sorry to tell you this, but someday you're going to get to the end of your life, and you're going to look back, and not only will you say this, but your kids and your grandkids will say it, and all the people who know you. I mean, they'll come to your funeral and bring flowers and eat potato salad. But at the end of the day, they're going to walk away, and they're going to say, oh, man, Grandpa wasted. He could have been so much more. He wasted. There is a word for people who live lives of ease, and it is wasted, wasted and I'm talking to some of you, you're like 25, 30 years old, and you're saying, hey, Mark, I just do what, I, what feels good. You're going to be 50 before you know it, and you're going to look back and say, I don't know where the time went. It's wasted. It's wasted. Number two, principle number two, or second, seven, the second rule of staying power. A life of quitting early will leave you with an inventory of uncompleted business. And here's what I see, and I don't know what you guys see, but I'm guessing you see pretty much the same thing if you're looking at very many people. Here's what happens. People like get into something and it doesn't work real well, and they say, oh, I'm out of here, and then they start over again. Maybe it's dating. And so in dating, they'll date as long as it's just like easy and they're getting what they want, but then all of a sudden if it gets difficult and they start having to invest emotionally in it, I'm checking out and I'm finding somebody else. Or it could be a job. I've known people that would get a job and all of a sudden they've, you know, it wouldn't be long before somebody there wouldn't like them anymore. And they were saying, oh, I got to leave this job and get another job. And it can, it can be all kinds of things. It can be, you know, I've seen people, this was, they're that way about churches. They're in one church, they're in another church. See quitting anybody who quits consistently, their life will be cluttered with an inventory of unfinished business. Nobody here is going to understand this unless you're really, really old like me, okay? Because today, um, <laughs> encyclopedias are online, you know? But when I was a kid growing up, did you know there were books? There were, books were like these things with hard backs pages in the middle. And encyclopedias, they, they came in a set. They were like sometimes 20, 20 volumes of encyclopedias. And I really wanted a set of encyclopedias. The only encyclopedias I could use were at my school. So I really wanted a set of encyclopedias. Now, like I say, you got to be really, really old to remember this. But there were times when grocery stores would actually sell volumes of encyclopedias. And they would like release a volume, like one volume a week. And their whole idea was to get you back in their store until you got the whole set of encyclopedias. The only deal was the very first volume, the A volume, they would sell you like for 49 cents. I mean, the rest of the volumes would be $15, but the first one was 49 cents. I want a set of encyclopedias. I could scare up 49 cents. There was a time on my bookshelf at my house, I had the A volume of about 20 different encyclopedias. That's a fact. I'm telling you. You're laughing, but it's true. I mean, if I had any kind of assignment with a word that started with A, I could do it. I could cite multiple sources. I'm talking to some of you, that's what your relationships are like. you got a whole closet full of A volumes. There are people that have marriages just A-volumes because it got difficult. Oh, can't buy the next volume. Okay, got to go get another A-volume. That happens with all of us in anything, whether we're talking about. And, you know, there are people that, I, I, listen, oh, man, this is sensitive. This is like stepping into scary territory. I should have my car running, have the motor outside so I can run and jump in my car when I say this. There are people that, you know, they love having babies they're just not crazy about having adolescence, or worse than that, teenagers. Like, i got to have another baby. But the issue is, they, they, they do grow up. You do know that, right? And, and it does get tough. It does get expensive. Mark Twain said, when a boy turns 13, put him in a box, b- drill a hole big enough for him to breathe. He said, when he turns 17, plug up the hole. You see what I'm saying? There are people that just, that's the thing, when it comes to jobs, I I don't want to use the word career because they never get a career. All they have is a job, a bunch of A, A volumes. Rule number one, it's going to get difficult if it's worthwhile. Rule number two, if we quit, we have an inventory of unfinished business. Number three, we tend to overestimate our own strength and underestimate God's. This is why we often fail in life, because when we take something on, it can be a a reasonable challenge. But we say, hey, I can handle that. But then we get in there and it gets tough and we're not up to it, and then we're tempted to quit. And and the reason we're tempted to quit is we've underestimated, overestimated our own strength, which causes embarrassment, and we underestimate God's strength, which causes us to leave great things on the table. Number four, this is my personal favorite. This is one of my life axioms that I jammed into this series, this sermon, okay? Because when it comes to leadership or when it comes to staying power, this is just something I've learned to live by. Let me, let me, let me stop. Let me, let me set this up before I get here. Sometimes your problem will come from people. When I talked about that part about saying, you know, there's going to be a moment where you're going to feel like quitting, sometimes that feeling like quitting will be caused by other people. Maybe people that you work with. I'm not going to finish it out. You know your life situations. But sometimes somebody's going to be out to get you and they're going to hurt you. And so here's here's what often happens in this situation. If we're in a tough spot and we feel like quitting because somebody is trying to destroy us, we usually do one of two things. We either like quit and say, okay, I can't stay in here because this person is out to get me, so I'm going to change jobs. It's just not worthwhile. Or this relationship is just too difficult. This person is out to hurt me. I'm just going to check out. We'll go back to number two. We'll have an inventory of unfinished business. Or we will go to the other extreme and we can say, this person is out to hurt me, so I'm going to go out to destroy. I'm going to take this guy down before he takes me down. I'm going to take her down before she takes me down. This is what God has taught me in my life. It has served me well in many situations. It's number four. You do not have to beat your opponents. Just outlast them. Most of your opposition from people, that really stings will come from bullies. They use intimidation in the hopes that you will walk away, in the hopes that you will walk away from your job, in the hopes that you will walk away from your husband or your wife, or that you will shirk your responsibilities. But just remember this, you do not have to beat your opposition. You don't have to beat your opponents. Just outlast them. I I am a pastor, and I spend a lot of my time talking to other pastors, and thankfully I have the greatest job in the world. And I don't have to deal with political things like a lot of pastors have to deal with. Did you know the, the average tenure of an American pastor in a church is somewhere between 18 months and three years? And the reason for that is, and just candidly, it, it is a political environment. Not, not the way we have church here. Our vision is what we're all about here. But in a lot of churches, it's a very political environment. The power centers in the church. And and there was an old saying, and and I'm saying this about pastoring, but my guess is wherever you are in life, whatever you do for a living, probably has some sort of bearing on you. The old saying was that most pastors leave because of eight people. If he leaves, they'll stay. If he stays, they'll leave. And I cannot tell you how many weeks go by that I don't talk to some pastor and say, listen, don't start a fight with those people who are out to get you, Don't try to destroy them, just stay, just stay. You say, Mark, at my job there are people that want to run me off, just stay. You say, Mark, there's somebody out to destroy my marriage and she says she's going to take my husband, just stay. Stay. You, you say, Mark, my kids are telling me that I am the worst mother in the world. They're telling me I'm the worst dad in the world, and I just destroy their lives, and I just feel like giving in and throwing in the towel. No, just stay. Just stay. There is a power in saying, you may not like me, you may not agree with me, but I'm here right now when the sun rises tomorrow. I'm going to be right here next week this time. I'm going to be right here. And a year from now, I'm going to be right here. There is a power there. Staying power number five. Here's my favorite point. Battles are won at moments that don't feel like victories. Oh, guys, get a second tattoo. Get a two-for-one when you're at the shop, okay? <laughs> I'm serious. No, I'm not serious. Um, there could be some parents here that say, boy, you really messed me up. Um, Whatever the battles are that you're fighting, the big ones, for your marriage, for your kids, for your life of following Jesus, for your career, whatever's, whatever's truly important to you. There will be that moment when you feel like quitting. You know, you're not going to know when you win the victory. You, you really won't even know when you've won. Because chances are, you will probably win that battle at its most difficult point. And I'm talking to somebody here today, and you're so ready to walk out on your marriage. You say, "Mark, you do not know the guy that I'm married to, and, and if he's abusive or whatever." I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying, you say, "Mark, I'm married to a dumb guy, and he's just like does it again and again and again, and he doesn't get it, and he's not in tune in touch with me. I'm out of here." Or, "Mark, I'm just I've tried, and she's just crazy." And there are times of the month that <gasps> you wouldn't believe. And I'm out of here. It is at that most difficult moment that battles are won. See, we all think it's when all the events turn our ways. Uh-oh, now we No, no. Guys, please, I know I, I overdo it with the Texas stuff. Would you just give me a little latitude tonight, please? In the War for Independence in 1836... There was a battle for the Texans where everything broke our way, and it was all over, and Santa Anna surrendered. It was a battle in the marshes of East Houston called San Jacinto. Now, in San Jacinto, there is a monument. Now, that battle was indeed the battle where it was really settled as far as the outcome went when people looked at things. It only lasted 18 minutes. Only nine Texans died. Hundreds of opponents were killed. But I lived in Texas until I was 28 years old and I had a lot of friends who came in and they wanted to see things in Texas and I had friends who came in from other parts of the U.S. I had friends who came in from other parts of the world. I have never ever had any friend who said to me, would you show me San Jacinto? They all want to see a little mission in Bexar County down in San Antonio called the Alamo. Everybody died at the Alamo. It looked like a terrible loss. But what happened was those 183 men, they held off an army of thousands and they bought time that caused the battle at San Jacinto to be a success. That's all I'm saying to you. You're going to think that the San Jacintos of your life are where the battle is won, but it's not. It's the Alamos. It's when you want to quit and you feel like giving in. That's when you will win the battles. It is at the moment when it's most difficult. There are people here today who could testify to what I'm saying. They've stayed in their marriages when they wanted to give up, and they could, they could nod and say, yeah, that's true. I, the battle was won that time when I, was ha- I had one foot out the door and my luggage packed, and I said, oh, I'm going to give him one more chance. Number six. In the endurance versus escape struggle, you know what I mean by that? Am I going to endure or am I going to escape? In the endurance versus escape struggle, vision of the payoff is what tips the scales. What I mean by that is this. When you're really going through a hard time and you're fighting with everything you've got, you don't think you can go on. You're going to come to that decisive moment and you're going to say, Do I quit? Do I go on? Everything's going to come down to what you're looking at. If what you're looking at is the fight, you will quit. You know why? You know why? You'll say it's too hard. I don't have the strength. I don't have the resources. What is it that keeps a person going? When everything is stacked against them? When none of the events are breaking their way? What keeps them going is... Looking at the prize. I mean, if you're, if you're, listen, I'm not a fool. I understand if you had a really, really bad marriage today and things are so bad, and you go home and you say, I'm going to find a way to stay with it, I understand that it may not change for a while. What will keep you going? It's the hope of saying, you know what? If I'll be faithful with God's help and God's power someday, I could have a godly marriage. My kids are driving me crazy right now. But you know what? If I'll just stay in prayer and if I'll just be the if I'll be the, be the kind of parent I should be, maybe they won't get it now. Maybe they'll get it, they'll get it someday. Well, wouldn't it be great to think about my kid, my kid loving God, and my kid taking responsibility, and my kid serving God. And, yeah, I'm going to, listen, I can testify to this. I'm going to fight through these difficult times because I am convinced that God is at work in the life of my kids. I'm convinced that God is at work in my marriage. I'm convinced that God is at work in my life, in my ministry, in my volunteering. That's what I'm focused on, so I'm not going to quit. It's just too big a prize to lose. All you have to do is take a page out of Jesus' playbook. This is in Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 4, page 927 in your Bibles. I'm going to skip down because of time and just read verse 2. The writer is telling us to keep on running. He said, We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Look at this. This is one of my favorite lines in the Bible. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. I mean, think about this. What was it that kept Jesus on the cross? And listen, guys, if you want to talk about the endurance versus escape thing, think about that. Think about if you could just draw a line and create two columns for a moment. Think about Jesus on the cross. Think about the endurance side and the escape side. On the endurance side, he was nailed. I mean, the, the the very parts of his body, his hands and feet, were nailed. I mean, they weren't just taped to a cross or roped to a cross. He was nailed there. He had steel or iron, rather that had pressed through the tender parts of his hands and his feet that were holding him on a cross. Every time he got a breath of air, he'd have to pull up against the nails to get his head out of his chest cavity and take a breath. They had beaten thorns into his head. They were spitting on him and jeering him. For six hours he hung there, and it wasn't just the physical. T- I mean, I was talking to my else about this. I said, Jesus was on the cross knowing that the very purpose he was there was for his body to be wrecked. And on top of that, there was the emotional sorrow because the Bible says that God couldn't, the Father couldn't look at him and even the Father turned away from him because he was carrying sin. And then on top of that, not only was he carrying, you know, the physical pain and the emotional pain, but just the spiritual pain of taking all of our guilt and shame. He felt it all at one time. That's why his heart exploded. That's the endurance side. You think he felt like, I mean, put yourself in his place. I mean, I'm telling you, two minutes of that, two minutes. I don't think I could have held out for two minutes. That was six hours for him. Two minutes, and I'm saying, hey, I don't want to be here. There's a reason why they nailed people to the cross. They didn't want to be there. Two minutes, and I'm saying, I'm out of here. But most people didn't have that chance because they were dying as a sentence for a crime. Go to the other side, the escape column. Jesus didn't die for himself. He didn't have to die. The Bible tells us there were twelve legions of angels, and that's at least a hundred and hundred thousand, maybe a hundred and seventy thousand. Now listen, one angel in the Bible destroyed one hundred and eighty-five thousand men. There are thousands of angels, and they hated to see what was being done to Jesus. I'm guaranteeing you, their toes were over the line in heaven just waiting for any kind of little nod or flinch on Jesus' part that said, get me off this cross, and that fast they would have taken him down. And he could have gone home. And nobody would have reproached him. Would you? He was suffering all that not for himself but for you and me. It would have just just destroyed us. We would have had to go to hell for eternity. But who could reproach Jesus if he said, I'm out of here Here's what I believe. If when Jesus was on the cross, he had said to himself, Oh, these nails are hurting. Oh, I can't hardly really get my breath. I don't deserve this. Your Bible, if you're holding a Bible in your lap, the book that you hold in your hands, the Word of God says that what kept Jesus on the cross. It was the joy that was before him. In those six hours, I believe he looked at a yearbook. <laughs> and I believe, and listen, I'm not being dramatic. I think he looked and he saw you. He saw me. And he knew where we would be without him. And having you in his family was so big. I mean, I just stand up here every weekend and say, hey, if you'll pray to receive, it's real simple. I, I just... Jesus looked forward. He knew he could offer that to you freely if he stayed, staying power. And it's the same for you and me. If when we're going through a hard time, we're saying, oh, these nails hurt. well, We'll we'll quit. We'll choke. But if we say, hey, God is at work in my life. God is at work in my marriage. God is at work in my kids. God is at work in my career. God is at work in my ministry and what I'm doing to volunteer. Then all of a sudden, the... Nails aren't what's in the front of our minds. Oh, i got to quit. I would love to go another 45 minutes because I love this topic. Number seven. <laughs> oh, we Americans. Oh, we want to have a healthy self-image, but then we want to quit. Let me give you number seven. Perseverance is the key to godly healthy self-esteem. Now, I want you to look in your Bibles right now. And again, this is um, on page 915. If you have a pew Bible, you want to look this up. The guy talking here is Paul. And and Paul is, as you know, he, he was a great missionary and he took the gospel all over the world. And it was about time for him to die. Let me just tell you how Paul died. Paul died by being beheaded. You Recognize the name Nero, the Roman emperor. Nero was on the throne and decided to just get rid of this crazy preacher. By the way, don't you find it interesting that after all these years, people named their boys Paul and their dogs Nero? (laughs) Might show who won that tussle. So here's Paul. He's in prison. He's just waiting for them to call him, you know, call him out, take his turn, and he's going to be beheaded. And, and I just love this because this is in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 6. He says, the time has come for my departure. And the term he used there was like he, he was checking the schedule for the boat he was going to catch. I mean, our modern, day, our modern day example, Paul is waiting for death and he's saying, okay, the time for me to catch my flight has come. I can see it up there on the terminal. It's almost time for me to board. What what a way to look at death. Look at what he said in verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. Someday you and I are going to look back on this life. And I hope you can say three things. I hope you can say I fought. I struggled. It got tough. But I'm not a wuss. I didn't choke. I fought. I said I'm not going to take this lying down. I'm not going to let the enemy steal my marriage. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to let the enemy tell me that my kid is a loser. I'm not going to let the enemy tell me that I cannot serve God. I fought. I fought. I fought when I felt like giving up and quitting, but I fought. I hope you can say I kept. A thousand stories flash by my face and flash in front of my eyes when I say that because what I've discovered is that a lot, when a lot of people went through tough times, they started throwing things overboard that they didn't think were important at the time. I hope you can say, I I held on to the things that were precious to me. Do you ever have something, maybe a possession, that at one time you were tempted to sell because somebody offered you more money than you thought it was worth, but at the last minute you said, "Nah, this is important to me. It's more important than money. And now after the years, you're saying, as you take it out and look at it, I'm so glad I held on to it. Life's that way. There's going to be a time that you'll be glad you held on to your honesty and integrity. There will be a time when you're going to be glad that you kept your vows. There's going to be a time when you're going to be glad that you kept your confidence in God and didn't give up. Paul said, I fought, I've kept. And then he said, I finished. Whew. Oh, that's self esteem, guys. When you fight, when you feel like giving in, when you keep, when you feel like getting rid of, when you finish, and you can look back and say, Hey, the God of the universe made me to do this, he created me. He called me to do it. And I finished it. I may be talking to somebody right now and you say, Mark, you said a little while ago that maybe the battle's won at the worst part. How do I cope? I'm staying but it's awfully hard. It's while you're waiting. It's while you're waiting for God to make events break in your favor. It's so important to keep your confidence. Hearing this message tonight, saw it on streaming video. And if you if you make another day, all the people who are here tomorrow and watch it on television, you know where we are, God. You know the struggles that we face. And I just ask you now that you would help that person who's closest to quitting to look past the nails and see you see a vision of what you want to do in their lives well God I pray that you remind us that victory's won at the moment where it feels the toughest thank you for what we've experienced tonight and what you're going to do through us with your word in Jesus name, amen hey would you just pray a little bit more with me guys I, I can't talk about Jesus dying on the cross without reminding us all of what it was for Jesus paid the world's biggest price to offer you the biggest gift free of charge huge I mean what what kind of price would you put put on going to heaven when you die that that like the moment whenever you die you're going to wake up in heaven and you'll never die again and when you've been in heaven 10 million years you're not even started yet you're still a newcomer What kind of price would you put on that? How about being forgiven where the worst things you've ever done are just washed away? What kind of price would you put on that? What kind of price would you put on having a personal relationship with God so that you wake up at three o'clock in the morning and you can immediately talk to the one who created the universe? Man, that awesome price that Jesus paid on the cross was so he could turn around to you and me and offer that to us totally free. It cost you a penny. To the worst among us, which I consider to be me, I, I just have to ask you, have you ever received him? Because it's just like a check. God can write, write you the biggest check in the world, but if you don't endorse it, if you won't receive the gift, it's, just like, it's like Jesus didn't die. But for anybody, it, it, listen, here's what Jesus said. The reason our church is called New Spring, Jesus said, who, he was talking to a gal that was coming to get water from a well, and he said, if you get water out of this well, you get thirsty again. But he said, whoever, whoever drinks the water that I give, have a spring in him that will spring up into everlasting life. I love all that language, but the word whoever is my favorite word. You say, Mark, you don't know how good I am. It's still whoever. You say, you don't know how bad I am. It's still whoever. Ground is level at the cross if you've never invited Jesus into your life or at least maybe you say well Mark I've I've understood pieces of it but I never grasped it till right now that it's free, that God is off, it's not in my church, it's not in my good stuff it's just in receiving the gift of Jesus and I never understood it till now well if you're ready to pray and ask him into your life you can do that because he's listening to you and here's what I'm going to ask you to do I'm going to pray a prayer, these aren't magic words but I'm going to give you a little space after each line so that you can savor it and think about it and then if you want to pray these words in your heart you can main thing is that Jesus is listening. Listen, He's he's leaning over to hear you. You won't have to talk him into it. If he would die for you, do you think you're going to have to twist his arm to save you? No, not at all. You're part of that joy he was looking forward to. So let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I don't deserve to go to heaven on my own. But I believe you died to make it possible for me. I ask you to forgive me. Wash away my sins. Come into my life. I receive you now. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just pray that prayer, I have a gift I want to give you. It won't cost you anything. I know that happens so fast. It's kind of like, oh, what hit me? I have a little gift I want to give you. It's got DVDs and cool stuff in there to help you know what it means to follow Jesus. It will not cost you a penny. If you just pray to receive Christ, I'll mail this to you. Just take your worship folder. Take, there's part of it that's detachable. can't find mine. It's up here someplace. Here it is. Nope, that's not it. There it is. Is that it? That's not it. That's from a previous week. <laughs> if you just prayed to receive Christ, just put your name and address on there tear it at the, at the perforated point, and then if you'll drop in the offering bags or the boxes by the back doors, I'll mail it to you this week. If you've got just a few extra seconds and you can stop by guest services at New Spring Store, which is right beyond those middle doors, just bring your card back and say, I pray with Mark. That's all you have to say. They won't engage you in conversation or mess with you or anything. They just want to give this to you. So if, if you just say, hey, I pray with Mark, Give them your card. They'll give this to you. Take it home with you tonight. I am so glad you're here this evening. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward. And, and, and guys, before you start receiving the offering tonight, if you just like pause. I, I should have said this first. So ushers, if you just put it on pause for a moment. Um, we're getting ready. To, the, the, the junior high kids and the senior high kids are about ready to sign up for camp. They have camp deadlines. Uh, the summer camp, but they have to have their deadlines that are, that are pretty quick here. One of the things that New Spring has done through the years is from time to time there'll be kids... Who just won't be able to financially afford going to camp, and so if you if that touches your heart in the next week or so, if you want to like and you you know you just want to give something extra to that above your normal gift, if you'll just like pencil the amount and write the word camp on your offering envelope, uh, some kids will be able to go to camp that wouldn't ordinarily be able to do that. By the way, in the next few weeks, I'm going to be talking to you about the building. We're going to have this awesome building at a lie adjacent to the north side that will double our kids' space. And uh, we'll be talking about that. Really, really exciting things.